going out there? It's the Holy Hour Podcast, the All Cure Bi-Weekly Podcast. I'm Gavin. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Having uh, given the festival goers a shout out in a while. So just right out of the gate, I'd like to uh, hope everybody's doing well. And uh, all those festival shows seem to be going real good. That Pasadena show is quickly approaching and on the horizon. So yeah, I really want to do a, a festival wrap-up show to really focus on all the festivals that happen. So an open invitation. If you went to one show, five, all the festival shows this summer, uh, we would be forever grateful if you consider sending us a quick review. doesn't have to be anything overly elaborate, just uh, your highlights, lowlights, a quick description of the evening. And uh, yeah, send a voice recording, an email, video whatever works for you to gavinconnor at gmail.com but like i said summer is winding down kids are going back to school time to unpack from your beach vacation and uh start getting serious again you know what i mean but you know what we've been getting down to serious business all along here at the holy hour podcast talking about 413 dream Yes, this is a part two episode, so if you haven't been uh, following along, the last episode we did was uh, our analysis or review or conversation on The Cure's 13th uh, studio album, 413 Dream, and uh, so you may want to go back and track that down, Donald and I uh, and Chaz really dug in on that one, we caught some flack, Donald mostly of course, but um you know, some some complaints. We were perhaps a little too hard on it, people were saying. But come on. I think it's no secret that a lot of Cure fans have widely different feelings towards this record, right? So you know what? You know, if you're a little sick of the bad boy or myself, actually, don't backtrack. You're in the right place. Because your old pal Gavin was thinking ahead and uh, looking out for you. I knew, I knew, I knew that there would be mixed feelings on this one, so I wanted to devote a whole second episode to 413 Dream, Other People's Perspectives. Yeah, the the original OPP, right? Remember that? Um, and give you, the listeners, the opportunity out there to say your piece on this album. And uh, boy, do we have some great opinions and perspectives on this record to share with you this episode we've got some great praise we've got some more digs that put our bashing to shame and uh, we got contributions from familiar voices we've got contributions from people that have not sent in anything to the show before and uh, just a wide range of perspective on these songs and give a quick background to their cure history and where they were at at, at the release time of 413 dream which is always always important context is always key my friends so uh and it's always funny to see like where um our likes and dislikes match up or differ you know like uh which which some opinions are right on with what donald and Chaz talked about in that last episode um there's always slight variations on specific songs like which ones stood out for better or worse you know so, um, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, cut my jibber-jabber and dive right in. First, we have Scott, a fellow podcaster, diehard Cure fan, previous contributor of the show. And I'm going to tell you right up front, trigger warning, he isn't crazy about this album. He may even give the bad boy a run for his money on a few of these. But uh, let, let's see what sticks out and what stinks, in his opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, a fellow scruffy-looking nerf herder. The man himself, 
Scott Solo. Hey, Gavin. Scott Kruger here. Long-time listener, first-time caller, I guess. I've contributed a couple times in messages, but I uh, figured I would call in this time and give you some some of my feelings whenever it comes to uh, 413 Dream. So, yeah. Huh. 413 Dream. It's probably the album that I've listened to the absolute least. Um, for some reason, it just did nothing for me on its release. And I've maybe listened to it before this review. I maybe listened to it maybe five times, possibly less. Um, so I figured I would give it a song-by-song um, song, uh, evaluation, I suppose, is the best way to put it. Um, my level of understanding about the album and its concept was that it being their 13th album, they wanted to take the fourth mix of each of the 13 songs and go for it, for better or worse. Could be absolute crap, but for some reason I have that ingrained in my memory. It's probably crap. Uh, when the album came out, I had gone back to art college at the time to get my degree in graphic design, so in the lead-up to the album, almost every single project I did was cure-related at art school. So uh, I created an album cover for it, uh, I did uh, advertising for it, <clears throat> you would think that it was like the second coming or something like that. Um, I would, here I was, this uh, old 33-year-old guy in college with a bunch of 19-year-old kids, and I was basing my artwork projects around some perceived goth band. Uh, it just... It was an odd time in my life there. So, um, as far as the art goes on the album, uh, being a graphic designer, I have to say, I hate it. Um, <clears throat> pretty much I hate everything past the Wish era <laughs> whenever it comes to their artwork. I guess um, Wild Mood Swings was okay, but Yellow ain't my thing, so mm, just didn't work for me. I'm sure it's probably also done by his nieces and nephews. In fact, I'm pretty sure it is, so I probably sound like an ass saying I think it sucks, but mm, what else can I say? Uh, I do think that if we got rid of the uh, ink drawings and the football strategy line art that seems to be all over it and just went with the watercolor painting in the background, it'd be 100% better. And uh, yeah, the, the typography, it's piss poor. I just, yeah, that's one of my specialties. And this, as well as I think the last three albums with the typography, has just been awful. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm still trying to get over some bronchitis I had. Um... Okay, as far as the songs go, so what I did was I put the album on and I listened to every song three times while I was writing this. So here we go. Without further ado, uh, Underneath the Stars, it's a great start. The music and the drums are decent. It's nothing groundbreaking from them. Um, <clears throat> I do think that the guitars are a little heavier than they should be. Um, it just doesn't sound like Robert and Pearl's signature sound really. Um, although during parts of it, the signature sound kind of pops back up. Um, my problem with the song is in the vocals. Um, they're mostly mumbled and, and heavy, under heavy distortion to echo, which um, today, as I was listening to this for the first, well, you know, over and over and over again, I actually read the lyrics and they're beautiful, beautiful song lyrics. It just, <clears throat> the delivery just was a little tough. 
the only one i love this musically it feels like high you know like part two of high lyrically it sounds as if uh, mary slipped robert some viagra and this was the results afterwards uh, you know good for you bobby uh, i do notice a heavy repetition of the words scream and dream 413 dream 414 scream references maybe i don't know uh the reasons why This is where we start going downhill, at least for me. Did someone read the novel 13 Reasons Why and get inspired to create a song? It feels like poetry, bad poetry, written by a 14-year-old girl after a breakup. Musically, the song's okay. It's a little dull through the verses. Uh, There's a couple of interesting flourishes, and the goddamn chimes are back again. Um, Picks up a little bit during the choruses, so it's not as bad, but yeah. Just, mm, No. Uh, speaking of no, Freak Show. Mm, no, just no. Trying to recapture the pop feel of Kiss Me era songs, like Hot 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 or Why Can't I Be You, but it feels like it's got a bit of a funk flair. Uh, the lyrics are rapid fire, dumb, and sung terribly um, over a plodding rhythm section with psychedelic guitars. It, it Just thank God it's short. Uh, Siren Song. I actually really like it, other than the goddamn chimes that are back again. I think I'm going to call this album 413 Chimes. Um, It's got great chord progressions, uh, great use of brush drumsticks, uh, cool lyrics. It's also the first time that Simon's bass really stood out on the album for me. Um, The Real Snow White. Ah, No, no, just no. Uh, music is boring the lyrics aren't terrible but their execution is bad um the best part about the song is there's no chimes on it um the hungry ghosts i think this is the song i was anticipating the most on the album you would think with a song like uh, a song title like this that the music would be more i don't know haunting it just feels very underproduced like it would be the third best song on the self-titled album maybe uh, lyrically, I get it. Enjoy life rather than live to buy shit. But because you can't take it with you when you die, but the tune just doesn't work for me. Uh, switch. This song feels like it would have been at home on a modern day version of the top. And like that album, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Uh, drums are killer. Simon's tearing it up on the bass. Pearl's kicking some ass. I really dig the lyrics as well. I just noticed that. On this album in particular, Robert's vocals are really hard to understand. Uh, the Perfect Boy. I feel like we just heard this song. It's uh, part two of the reasons why. If the 14-year-old girl hadn't killed herself, she'd have found the perfect boy. Oh, wait. Wait. He's not so good. Well, shit. I can only imagine Donald saying, stop telling me a story and just sing some shit. Musically, it's okay. The hook is catchy. That's about as good as it gets uh the 11th song uh this here and now with you i have no memory of this song at all it's not bad i enjoy the building vocals on this one though i could do without the extra echo during the chorus perhaps they'd sound better over other layered vocals uh, over the echo the bass sounds straight out of the disintegration era and the guitar is pretty solid overall it's not bad oh boy Song 12, Sleep When I'm Dead. No, nope, 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 not for me. 
Uh, it's got a cheesy opening, and here we go with that weird funk pop again. Um, the lyrics are dumb, and it just feels overly cliched and ridiculous. I think it, I literally hate everything about this song. Could be the first time I've ever thought that about a Cure song. Uh, yeah, I may not like the song, but this one makes me, if I don't like another song, yeah, but this one just kind of makes me angry. I hate it so much. Um, song 13 is The Scream. That's where we seem to have a recurring theme towards the end of Cure albums since Wish. Uh, that being, I'm tired of this shit, go away, leave me alone, you're making me crazy, I want to quit. It seems to be, I don't know, at least since Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, what... The, the end of all of his songs or albums are about um, I think it's the first time I noticed keyboards in the music backdrop here um, Cooper's kicking some ass on the drums again uh, Simon's bass feels kind of buried under everything uh, the lead guitar is ooh, excuse me the lead guitar is good is a good distraction from the monotony of the rhythm guitar um, the vocals are pretty well executed with Robert proving that he can kick ass and carry that note Song number 14, It's Over. Is it just me or does it take about 30 seconds for the song to catch up to its rhythm? It just 20 seconds in, Simon is playing a different song, Jason's on another song, Porl starts playing a social distortion song, Robert howls, and they're all finally, they finally find each other. And when do they start playing Shiver and Shake Part 2? Rapid fire slurring makes the song moderately understandable. I actually had to read the lyrics as he wailed, and I still didn't hear what I was reading. So I don't know if I need to find a different source. Um, overall, my overall feelings on the album was it's not as bad as I remembered. It's definitely better than the self-titled, maybe even better than Bloodflowers. Kinda. I still think Bloodflowers was a big miss. Um, but I still feel like I need to listen to the song, uh, listen to Wish or Disintegration to cleanse my palate after this. Out of the 13 songs on the album, I enjoyed about seven and a half of them, <laughs> on some level at least. I give the B-sides a listen, because um, there was a shitload of them for this album, and I gotta say, no, no, nah, the songs on the album were better. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. This this album, it, it's it's okay. It definitely uh, looking at it and listening to it again, it it definitely resonates with me more. But uh, as a whole, I will go for just about any other album of theirs before this one. So anyway, that's my feelings on the uh, Four Thirteen Dream album. Uh, anyway, thanks for plugging my my podcasts the other day um, Sarlacc Digest for Star Wars and uh, Nerds with Attitude for all your basic nerd needs and thanks a lot man I appreciate it keep up the great work and uh, talk hard alright first off huge thanks to Scott he was uh, really awesome about getting me this segment way early in the year um, while he was battling bronchitis I thought uh, we were going to get to this album way earlier, but life and time-relevant care topics kept pushing it back further and further. So apologies to him and uh, for battling through that and uh, still getting this, this to us, and we didn't even get to use it till like six months later. Um, but once we got him, wow, I love those frank opinions and, and such honesty. It's uh, funny 
that anything negative about the cure can seem so like sacrilegious at times on the surface, but it's, you know, it's just funny that it's all set out of love, right? We all know that. And it's like, none of us are going to bother being brutally honest about something that sucks, right? It's, uh, you know, nobody's, nobody's caring to bash that fourth Creed album because, you know, it sucks and who cares? But the fact that we're saying that, you know, Freak Show is a mess is because we love this fucking band and we slightly, you know, it is slightly mind-boggling to us that our favorite band could record a song like that and put it out as a single. So, uh, it's, it's like, telling your wife she's got something stuck in her teeth or something until you only mention it because you love them and we care right (laughs) so with that in mind uh i hope you guys uh do realize that scott's you know negative thoughts some of these but uh he he gave it seven out of he said like seven and a half songs he likes out of the 13 that's pretty damn good that's a pretty favorable final grade if you ask me so uh thank you so much uh for the honesty and the cool rundown of the songs there scott i liked what you pointed out about the vocals being hard to understand and the lyrics and um it's it's because the level is right but it's just somehow it's hard to make out what he's saying on a lot of these songs and i'm not really sure what that is still maybe it just comes with like a billion more listens and we just haven't put in those listens that we normally have for a cure album but it just seems like something is a little a little mumbled jumbled more than normal on this album and uh I am. Anybody has any extra opinions, feel free to chime in. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's always funny to see which ones really get you. While Sleep When I'm Dead was definitely the one that stewed in your guts. You know, that was Scream for me. And uh, just crushed your soul. And I liked how you predicted Donald's uh, distaste for a perfect boy. Nailed it. So anyway, thanks, Scott. Like you said, you can catch Scott on his podcast, The Sarlacc Digest and Nerds with Attitude. Um, I think I've somewhat been successful in keeping my Star Wars nerd fandom hidden on this podcast. But what better time than now to come out and say that I love all that shit, too. And if you are a Star Wars fan out there, check them out. Because it's great to nerd out on a Star Wars podcast, which there's technically no shortage of on the internet. But um, it's so much better when you know that one of the people in the mix, at least, is a diehard Cure fan. So it just makes it all somehow less, you know, nerdy. But you know way cooler so check it out um as soon as i can think of a star wars cure crossover theme i really want to have scott back on the show i'm usually pretty good at coming up with uh themes but uh crossover themes and stuff but i can't really make a cure star wars connection yet so help me out any listeners out there i think they fall more on the doctor who spectrum of that kind of sci-fi but uh there's got to be a crossover somewhere in there So I'll keep thinking on that one. So thanks again, Scott. Great to hear from you. Next up is our buddy Matt, who we've uh, had on the show before in the past as well, and who I'm always super excited to share his segments with you. Always love what he has to say. So here he is, and uh, his backstory on the release of 413 Dream. Hey, Holy Eye Crew, it's Matt again in my recording studio car. And uh, did not want to let the chance to talk about 413 pass me by because it's a big album for me for a few reasons, uh, one of which I'm going to get into a little bit later. But um, yeah, I just want to say to sort of go into my own history with it, huge Cure fan in about 2004 is when I got into them and I had Kiss Me, Kiss Me, had Standing on the Beach. And uh, yeah, like just right off the get-go, I loved the style. I loved how 
each song kind of sounded different from each other. And then saw them at Curiosa, really enjoyed the performance. Um, but to be honest, in hindsight, I was kind of a little inebriated. So I don't remember a, a ton of it, but I just remember it feeling so big and, and cool and important and having them headline their own festival just kind of cemented to me like, yeah, people are right. You know, Spin Magazine and all these these people that were older than me at the time telling me how great this group is, they're, they're 100% right. So what I did was I, I went back to Three Imaginary Boys and my plan was let me just take each album, I'll digest it one by one and I'll just kind of move chronologically up. So... Again, started with Three Imaginary Boys. Loved it right off the bat. Just loved kind of the post-punk stuff. And then 17 Seconds was kind of a completely different thing. And then Faith was, you know, it's like at that point I thought, well, it can't get better than this because I, is it going to get better than this? This is great. And then the top, you get, obviously you get where I'm going here, but moving up. Um, so I'm going to date this now probably around 06, 07. And kind of the rumor mill had had started up that another album was coming out and then we had heard by this point that roger and perry were no longer in the group and at this point i, I was kind of like a, a devotee of this site chain of flowers which i guess might have even been a blog at that point but um yeah i was checking that thing really almost daily and just being up on some of the minutiae there whether it be New interviews coming up of Robert saying how he felt refreshed with Pearl back in the lineup. And, you know, there was speculation of a double album, which we'll get to later. And then they had start, they started playing. They started touring a little bit. So this was in the really early days of YouTube and social media. So I, I know this is kind of hard to explain for uh, younger fans of the group, but... We would get so excited, but we, I mean, like the, the commenters and the followers of Chain of Flowers, to get a 20-second clip on a terrible, terrible cell phone video. I'm talking pre-iPhone, you know, like grainy, terrible, you could barely hear what's going on. But just the fact that there'd be a new song was just so exciting to me. Um, and even better, they announced a tour. Now I'm going to we're going to skip a year. So this is 08. They announced the four tour. Um, and then on the back of that, they released four singles with four B sides, which yeah, I, I just ate it right up. So it had the only one, which to me, it felt, it, it kind of was a really good red herring. Cause off the bat, I'm like, yeah, okay. So this is kind of like another mint car in between days, mashup, little Friday, I'm in love in there. Hi, kind of good little pop song. It's, it's fine. But Luckily for me, it was not indicative of what the album would be. So uh, then you have Freak Show, and then that's like Pearl is just back, kind of shredding and doing his thing, which is fun. I'm like, all right, yeah. So they got a little, they got some life back in them, which after the self-titled was really refreshing. And then you get um, Sleep When I'm Dead, which was another cool song. And I don't, that is the one for me. That's kind of a little side note, but I don't know how that fits on the album. And, you know. I guess a little fan fiction here, but revisionist history, I probably would have put the song Without You in place of that, even though I do like Sleeping I'm Dead, and then uh, Perfect Boy, which, oh, so cool. So cool hearing that, and um, it felt like just audibly, Robert seemed a little happier. He wasn't straining his voice the way he did on the self-titled, and I just remember the call back to um, 
to uh, let's go to bed where he says, I hate to be obvious, but we have to be gone by three and kind of tying that in. And then you found like a, a few other nods to past releases on uh, the record itself. But anyway, so checking out Chain of Flowers a lot, like really getting into the new, the, the new singles as they're kind of trickled out there and then looking at these performances. I'm like, oh man, there, now there's this new song called Underneath the Stars, which sounds cool. And you could barely hear any live concert recording of it. Um, and then I remember there's it was the working title was I want to say Baby Rag Dog Book. Don't I can't really Google that right now because I'm driving, but I think that's what it was, which ended up being It's Over, which is a fucking just banger, awesome way to close the record. And then finally the moment comes I get to see them Radio City Music Hall in New York, and the difference between their performance in Curiosa to the four tour performance it it felt honestly like a different band like there was a lot of energy Pearl was just tearing it up the songs the old songs sounded fresh because without the keys Pearl was kind of sometimes he'd be you know kind of one for one playing what the the uh, you know song would have been if there were keys and then sometimes he was just doing his own thing and then, uh, yeah, I'll never forget, we had like a 12-song encore, and Robert even got up into the, uh, um, I don't even know what you would call that. If anyone's been to Radio City, you can you can know what I mean. Kind of where the, the balconies go up. They're kind of like these rafter things. So he, close to me came on, he disappears off the stage, but you can still hear him, and then he pops up in one of those balconies. I'm like, oh my God, this guy who's like pushing 50 is, yeah, it just seemed like he had a new, fresh perspective. And another cool thing is, like, I've seen this group four times, and every time I've seen them, it's been a different lineup and, like, a slightly different sound. So, anyway, now the record's delayed. We finally get it, October 2008. And it was just, like, for me, a uh, it felt like a nice payoff because, like, I'd been waiting, I'd been invested in this journey that I've been taking with other fans, like all these Chain of Flowers dudes and followers and commenters. Like, we were all, like, just trading set lists and... It was so cool. So then finally you you push play on the CD at the time for me. Uh, hearing Underneath the Stars, the studio version was great. Um, and then I just want to talk really quick. I know I'm kind of running long here, but it felt like some of the grandness and majesty of Disintegration was back. And I know that had been missing because like, uh, say what you will about Wish, it, it was fine. But it, I felt like it didn't have these big moments like Disintegration did. And I think Bloodflowers even kind of tried, but, you know, to mixed results. I don't want to go back on that, but if you listen to a song like Last Dance, Close Down, Same Deep Waters, they just feel big and epic, and they, like, take their time and tell a story, and I feel like we were finally getting that again. So Underneath the Stars had that feeling. Hungry Ghost had that feeling. The lyrics, you know, don't, don't talk about more to life than this. Think about all the life we missed will never satisfy the hungry ghost and just how, you know, possessions and people just eat up your time. It was so great. And then, you know, switch the song, which I doesn't really get talked about a lot. That felt like everything they wanted to do with the self-titled album was done like to perfection on switch where he's like, you know, it felt like a little bit of end continued, but the whole like I'm tired of being myself I'm tired of being alone with myself and it just I don't know it just worked and Pearl just is like in tune with Robert and just conveying that song on the guitar and it worked perfectly um 
so yeah, it felt great. It was a, a cool time in my life, but uh, I will share a little thing right now. Um, and again, this is might be a little taboo, but uh, thanks so much for everyone. When I ever listen to the show and hearing people chime in with why the group is important to them and they were there for them at a, a certain place in their life, this to me is uh, kind of that moment. So I had a friend who uh, took his life in uh, May of 2007 um, just graduated college that happens uh, so you know needless to say it was a really difficult summer for me I was looking for answers a lot uh, sometimes I was randomly think of it in the day and it would kind of throw me off and change the dynamic of our friend group a little bit um, but uh, you know it, it is what it is so when I get to the song The Reasons Why it um, it really Robert really talked about such a, a taboo and sensitive thing in, in a way that kind of uh, helped me get through it a little bit so you know there's, there's no real easy way to approach it but um, just the lyrics of we know they said you're holding on to nothing left to something gone letting go of fear and dread and all you know and then just losing the need of, of certainty and make-believe eternity to find the true reality and beautiful infinity was kind of, you know, I'll never really get it. Um, but there's kind of a comfort in knowing that uh, someone else far away across the world in a song can, can say something like that, that kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of just... It's a little clairvoyant and, and, you know, it just meant a lot to me at the time and still kind of does. So that's my take on the reasons why and on 413 Dream. Keep up the great work, guys, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. So there you go. Definitely a much needed nod in favor of this album and some great perspective as always from Matt. And uh, great just to show why this album shouldn't be totally neglected. Uh, just because it's not head on the door or kiss me, kiss me, doesn't mean it can't shine in its own right. Um, and, and I don't believe you even you didn't even bash Freak Show, Matt. Good on you. All right. So uh, you know, my big takeaway from this segment was how much more energy on the recording, especially the live lineup, had. Like you said, that's a great point for whatever the hell reason in changing it up from Perry to and Roger to Porl. Um, I also recall that last show from that tour just being killer and off the chart with just like you said it like breathed a whole new fresh air into this band and just crazy the dynamics and interactions of a band and how much that can change and uh, really just change up the whole live experience so that was just really for what it's worth um, just amazing change in the lineup there. Um, so yeah, and th and thanks so much for sharing your story about your friend at the end there. I can't even imagine how hard that would be. It's such a sensitive topic anyway, and and they really lay it out in the reasons why. A song that further shows the awesomeness of Robert, I think, in this band and as, as a whole. There's no way to make something like suicide not horrible, um, but having a song like this just kind of proves further that the cure is always there for us in some form or another and robert has never been able to shy away from uh being our crutch you know as listeners and uh time and time again when things are 
at their lowest. They they really do have a knack for that, and uh, I know I appreciate it. And uh, so yeah, thanks again for sharing that, and I uh, really hope you're doing well out there. Always great to hear your voice, Matt. Next, we got our old friend John from across the pond over there in Liverpool, or near Liverpool, I should say. Um, Let's hear what John has to say about 413 Dream. Hi guys, John here. I appeared on the show a couple of weeks ago, back on the Origin Tales, so I thought I'd come back and give a brief review on the Cure's 413 Dream album. Uh, just a quick background, uh, history with the album with myself. Um, I had got into the Cure kind of before this album, before the lead up towards this album's release. Um, so it, it was quite exciting for myself, like, you know, to kind of experience a new Cure release. Uh, I hadn't really delved deep enough into their back catalogue to kind of realise, you know, every album that came out since Wish was kind of subpar to below average in quality, but, you know, hey-ho, it's a new album. I'm always excited to hear new music by Bands of Love, so uh, I was eager to check it out, and uh, it came out, and I didn't like it. Um, I didn't hate it, but... I didn't like it, I couldn't get into it and I kind of put it to one side for years and over the years certain songs have just kind of popped up when I've, you know, kind of put me Spotify and Shuffle, you know, my iPod and stuff like that, certain songs have grabbed me and I was always interested to kind of dive back into this album so a couple of years ago I did, I bought it on vinyl and I had a proper listen to it and certainly had a different approach to it this time after a bit more of a revised listen so we'll we'll, we'll get into that towards the back end but let's just kind of dive into it so we we open on underneath the stars and honestly I I think that's one of the cures one of the best cure songs in my opinion Um, I think that song could belong on Wish or Kiss Me Kiss Me and it, it's it's up there with the with the high quality. I, I love it. You know, it's a really long. Uh, it really brings out the emotion, and it's you know it's kind of deep, and you know underneath the stars, you can kind of <laughs> visualize that. You know, kind of lying on the hill, looking up at the stars. You know, it's it's kind of magical. It's got that. You know, it's got that real cure feel to it that it kind of been lacking for the. You know, you can't. I haven't really had a song like that for quite a few uh, records at this point. So it, it already, you know, the album opens with a great kind of return to form for the band, and then we go into the only one which uh, I like as well. And I've said previously before that you know I don't really like the Cure's more poppy stuff, but I kind of like it when it's done well. If you can kind of understand what I mean, and I think the only one is. 
a more poppy track that's that's done well i say you know it kind of brings up feelings of friday i'm in love and just like heaven to me i think i think it's a stellar you know a strong track a, a strong single I, I like the little um the little tickle of piano that's just it's kind of quietly sprinkled in there and i really like the vocal melody on this track uh, it's a really nice song and then we go into the reasons why which is still a good song so you know three songs in and we're you know we're, we're going well with this record you know um not too much to say about the reasons why you know it's it it's a good song it's worth having to listen to it's it's not really it may be skippable to some but i always like to give it a listen <laughs> then we go to freak show and um no that song can fuck off <laughs> my my language yeah, I don't like Freak Show. It's it's too messy. It's too just crazy and just yeah. It it kind of brings back them kind of sour feelings that kind of mild moods. Yeah, yeah. Wild mood swings brought up and it's just oh no, it can go away. <laughs> and then we get into Siren Song, which is uh, quite a cool song. It's you know, it's it kind of gives you that vibe of sitting on a beach in the you know on holiday or something somewhere. It's it's you know it's quite nice. It's it's quite pleasing, but yeah, overall I, I don't rate it too much. And then we get into the real Snow White. Um, I, I quite like the real Snow White. I quite like um, again what Robert Smith does with the vocals. Um, I kind of like it's more kind of fast pace and kind of chaotic sound to it. I think it kind of works, and I think with this album they definitely kind of go in for the loud guitars and big crashing choruses. And I think sometimes that kind of just doesn't really work. Sometimes they kind of do it on songs, and it's like that doesn't really kind of match up, and it just kind of sounds a bit messy and a bit unorganised and unstructured but I think the real Snow White I think it works for the real Snow White and then we get into the Hungry Ghost and uh, the Hungry Ghost is another one of my favourite Cure songs I, I really like this song Um, I kind of feel like maybe it's the live performances of the Hungry Ghost that make me feel like this rather than the um, recording on this LP I, I think it's been played live better especially on the uh, festival album uh, i really like that that live version of it and i've heard it live uh, i think once or twice myself so yeah it, it's a song i really like um and then i think after that so seven tracks in we we kind of things kind of go downhill for me uh, we get into switch uh, i don't really like switch once again i I probably put it alongside freak show where it's just quite skippable and then we get into the perfect boy and it's pretty much the same again with the perfect boy it's just kind of bland forgettable doesn't don't really go anywhere doesn't really say anything doesn't really don't really reach out to you you know it's it's just it's neither here nor there um this here and now with you yeah is a good song yeah, it kind of perks the album up a little bit after a bit of a bit of a slump but you know, I can't sing its praises too much. It's it's a fine song. Um, and then we get into Sleep When I'm Dead. 
<laughs> don't like it. <laughs> I I kind of feel bad that I don't really justify my reasons for not liking these songs, but I, I think sometimes, you know, it's uh, easier said than done to just say, I don't like it. Uh, the Scream. Um, no, I don't like it. Um, it's over. Yeah, it just, the, the arm just kind of crashes out. It's kind of like, you can imagine, you know, that, the Zeppelin that catches fire and crashes, you know. It, it kind of crashes out on a, on a bit of a bit of a poor note, which is a shame because it kind of starts off strong. Um, I know originally this, uh, I think Robert Smith wanted this album to be a double album and he, he kind of wanted the one half of the album to be kind of pop and the other half to be kind of the darker side of the cure. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's hard to say if maybe this album suffered from a bit of studio interference or, you know, maybe Robert kind of should have came to the realisation that a double album wasn't going to happen and maybe mix some of them darker songs that, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear, but, you know, they're probably going to be locked away in the vault now for forever. Uh, so, you know, it's I wouldn't call it a bad album. I wouldn't call it a masterpiece. Um, comparing it to everything from Wild Mood Swings to Self-Titled, I'd say it's a, it's a very good album, but comparing it to the rest of their back catalogue from their kind of peak period of, um, you know, heading the door all the way to Wish, it's a bit lacklustre. But it's it's worth picking up, it's worth a listen. Uh, I, I think, obviously, the, the gap between this album and the next album will definitely kind of make this album suffer a bit more because, you know, it, it's just been such a long time and this has kind of got what we got left with for over a decade and, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, uh, it's fine. It's a good record. I'm interested to hear what um, what the guys think and, obviously, you know, what other, what other fans think. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening to me. Uh, this is John signing out. All right, thanks, John. Again, a lot of similar thoughts and crossover here and what we hashed out in the last episode. Uh, mostly the overall hit-and-miss feelings of this album were similar. And, of course, Freak Show. But, um, you know, surprising embrace of the real Snow White. So, again, I love how we can all have uh, overall similar opinions and different opinions, but which are the finer details are always what I love to hear. Slight variations from song to song of what did it and what didn't for you. So uh, thanks so much, John. Again, always great to hear your voice and uh, opinions. I uh, hope to have you back on the show soon. Let's do that long distance talk again. And uh, yeah, John's got a YouTube page too. So um, it also reviews 413 Dream on it. I recently just stumbled across that. Um, the page is The Return Woo. Um, I'll put a link for it on this episode's uh, thread on our Facebook page. So check that out too. If uh, you want to get a little more 413 talk from John, um, head on over. So that'll be on there for you. Um, let's, let's shift gears now from uh, segments sent in to some comments that were sprinkled throughout Instagram, which is always fun. When I initially posted that a uh, 413 Dream Your Perspectives episode was coming up, and uh, I, I wanted to read you a few of these quickie thoughts that were posted on Instagram. Uh, 
First off, we had a comment from Imaginary Years. A decent album. Pretty middle of the road as far as I'm concerned, and it certainly isn't their worst. The lack of synth makes it feel pretty claustrophobic and raw, but not good raw like pornography. Sort of shit raw like 2004 self-titled album. But it's better than people give it credit for. Songs like Underneath the Stars, Siren Song, and Hungry Ghost are where the album shines. And uh, wow, yeah, that's right on with what we were saying in the last episode. Um, Willie Barry Drago writes, Sadly, the worst album with Jason Cooper on drums. Underneath the Star is the best song and the only one. Okay. Um, Albert Arrows wrote, uh, My thoughts, Underneath the Stars is gorgeous, uh, but the rest of the album sucks. Pearl looked amazing. The lack of keyboards bums me out. So understandable road glorp wrote in my opinion the the cure should have stopped after wish but what do i know (laughs) okay donald chimed in on that one right on man (laughs) um uh, let's see vinyl troy wrote um a bit on the side do you think that david m allen might be why the cure had great albums from 1985 to 1992 um, you know me, if anyone's listened to this show in its entirety knows that, uh, I think there's something to that. David Allen, what is with this guy? We must know more about him during the golden era. He was in there co-producing all those albums. So, uh, there's gotta be a common thread. So I'm with you on that one, Vinyl Troy, but, uh, more to come on that later. Uh, goes wrote, I wish it was less polished and more lo-fi, but I actually love a lot of the songs. The only one, the reasons why, Siren Song, are some of my favorite Cure songs. The reasons why is devastating lyrically and has one of the best riffs. It's also the only Cure album I experienced the release for as a fan, uh, so 13-year-old me played it a lot. So, yeah, I mean... For a lot of reasons on that uh, front, too, the release of this record is huge. In you know, in the last 11 years, there hasn't been a Cure album. So going back, anybody that's become a fan in the last 11 years, which I'm sure there's a lot of people, um, haven't ever experienced a Cure album being released. So and that's a very magical thing. So thanks for shedding light on that. Um, over on Chaz's... Uh, instagram 17 underscore seconds he also had a good thread going when posted ideas and thoughts were needed for this episode so on chaz's thread he had comments such as weird mountains comment that said i just got done doing an all albums chronicle chronological listen and i wound up listening to this one on repeat more than i expected to Uh, It could have been a great album if it had fewer songs on it. So a a few shorter songs, he says. So, yeah, good point. Like we said in our recording, it didn't have to be 13, you know, maybe because it does seem to to drag by the end. So uh, good point there. Uh, No records, just simply says loved it. Um, A.421, (laughs) some great songs on it, but overall it felt like a collection of throwaways instead of a proper cohesive album still the tour for it was great going back to that lineup um loudmouth threads wrote underneath the stars is a part of my heavy rotation so not too many complaints with that song 
Johnny.Cure wrote, uh, it's my favorite of the latter Cure albums. Um, and we got Ian.5184. Uh, this album murders Jason's drums to the point where it's near unlistenable to me. Uh, some solid songs if the drum sound were competent and Smith didn't sound like he was mocking himself it would be fine whoa so uh, yeah not feeling the uh, the drum pr- production and uh, some of those stranger vocal takes that we talked about in the last episode too um, Rich underscore wrote this is a weird situation for me the band was on tour and they played most of the material of this album before it was even released. I dug it. Then came the individual singles that were released. When it came time for the actual album to come out, oddly I would lost interest. Like the self-titled album, I couldn't grasp it. But I can definitely say as a whole, it's better than the self-titled album. But if you put Before 3 and End of the World head-to-head against every song on 413, those two songs are better than anything on 413. Just wish the rest of the self-titled album was as good as Before 3 and End of the World. Alright. Um, underscore Souljacker wrote, If their new record sounded anything like Underneath the Stars, I would be thrilled. Yeah, exactly what we said in last episode. Uh, sip underscore Sippin underscore just said Underneath the Stars with stars next to it. So a fan of that song. Um, Samaja underscore Odangold. Sorry. Um, I still can't believe they put this out. Made me really sad. Still does. And uh, finally, Psychedelixa wrote, uh, One of my favorite Cure albums. I don't get why people don't like it. It's a masterpiece. So there you go. In a nutshell, social media showing us mixed feelings all across the board on this album and uh still still that way so let's shift gears from the social media thanks to everybody that chimed in always good to get those quickie thoughts too um really appreciate it and putting social media to its proper use but now my favorite form of communication email yeah miss emails i feel like they're slipping away from us and uh I've even gotten way shittier myself at using them to communicate with people long distance, but they're great. I hate how it seems to be considered, like, long-winded now if you write somebody an email. And it's like, you know, the closest thing we have to actual letters. So, come on, people, right? It's like being cast aside for a fucking tweet or a semi-incoherent text message. Ugh. Anyway... Old man Gavin's getting riled up again. But yeah, these were some emails, some proper emails that were sent in to me. So the first one's from Lillian. And uh, Lillian's is great here. We get we get a very pro uh, 413 Dream email here from Lillian. So Lillian writes, I just saw your post on Instagram and all the comments were really negative on the Cure's 413 Dream album. I'm here to show my love for it. I love this record just as much as the Cure's other work. Wild mood swings, anybody? I like the artwork and how amazing Pearl's makeup was at the time. And Robert, just his most iconic. Um, it's just magical. I'm still so surprised that diehard fans don't like the later stuff by this band. I love all their work. Sure, not all of it's perfect, but it's the cure. And, and I love what they do. There's way worse music out there. Uh, here's a quick rundown of the songs. 
Underneath the Stars, a really magical song. It's a really mighty opener for the album. The only one. I don't get why everyone hates this song. Yes, it's a very sexual song, and it's kind of uncomfortable and uh, weird to hear it coming from Robert, but it's a genuine love song, and the melody is lovely. The Reasons Why is catchy. I love it, despite the strange opening lyric. Siren's song is nostalgic, and the opening guitar riff is wonderful. The real Snow White is groovy and has some quirky storyline going on in the lyrics, and is catchy. The Hungry Ghost is by far my favorite song on the record. It blew my mind when I heard it. And the message of the song is so true. It's one powerful song. It's not as angry as 100 years, but it's just as powerful as a message in the lyrics. Switch has very relatable lyrics and some good weird guitar licks in it. The Perfect Boy has just as good as trust lyrics as far as storytelling and is about a relationship. I love it because it's personally... Uh, is very personal and relatable to me. This Here and Now With You is another great catchy love song with an amazing bass line and Robert's little squeals of delight before he begins to sing. We love those. Sleep When I'm Dead is so catchy to me. I know I keep saying catchy a lot, but seriously, I've caught myself doing other things and then... Pops into my head. Okay, 11. Scream is so powerful. Can you hold a scream or a yell for 14 seconds? It's just as powerful as end. It's so angry and frustrated. It's magnificent. It's Over is probably my least favorite song on the record. The scream would have ended the record powerfully, and as their latest record, it would have left us on a powerful note. Um, I mean, It's Over is fine, but it's a, and it's got and there's great drums on it twangy guitars it's just not the best overall i never write off a cure album completely and say that it's cack and they have some really strong songs on here just some that not as fierce as others i love this record and if anyone slams this whole album i will fight them because robert always puts his heart and soul into what he does and if anyone slams jason's drum playing may i slap them so hard because he is a very complex drummer and a very skilled drummer i play the drums and he is quite complex unless it's a lot of overdubs but come on it's the cure i listen to this album in a heartbeat and even it's over because I know it's a genuine, real, proper rock and alternative song. No manufactured shit or made up on someone's laptop. It's the cure. So freaking appreciate it. Everyone's work and styles change. And the band wouldn't constantly be giving us a new disintegration or wish. And I know this is a long email, but I wanted to show some love for Fort 13 Dream. Thank you, Lillian. Yes. Yes, so uh, I love it. Um, it's so nice to have a solid what the fuck is wrong with you people kind of perspective on this album in, in the positive angle. And uh, again, the longer the email, the better. I love it. I wish I agreed with you 100%, but uh, your enthusiasm is definitely enough for me to question myself even and think uh, maybe I'm being too hard on the scream. Probably not, but I'll, I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. Like you said, it's the fucking cure. Come on, people. So, uh, yeah, I love your, your uh, open invitation to fight anyone that hates this entire album, too. And unfortunately, even I can't even uh, put 
put you up against our own bad boy donald um he even liked a good chunk of these songs so uh oh next email i got i think i got your man here we can set up a uh, pay-per-view ultimate battle i think our boy schmemson schmemson wrote a very succinct instagram message and email and it simply says throw it in the trash sincerely schmemson so no wishy-washy mixed feelings of hit and miss songs on this album for him throw it in the trash again all set out of love i'm sure but um i think we got our our ultimate battle here uh lillian so further details stay tuned on that one i'll let you know and uh, you guys can duke it out but our final email tonight to wrap up the show, I really wanted to, to end on this uh, this positive and well-written email. It came in from Dustin, who we heard from on our Mystery Caller episode. And uh, not only was it great to hear from Dustin again, but I loved this email and I uh, really thought it would be a good closer for you guys and, and the show and 413 Dream as a whole. So Dustin writes, Hi, Holy Hour. This is Dustin from Oxford, Mississippi again. I really love 413 Dream and want more people to fall in love with it as well and not cast it away. For a while, I brushed aside 413 as an outlier for the Cure's catalog. Upon the first few listens, it sounded very strange to me and did not seem to fit with the rest of their material. I left it alone and dismissed it for a long while before returning to it. I feel like many fans probably got the same impression that I did on those first listens. Number one being the production. It was fair to say that the production is questionable when you first hear it. The biggest thing for me is the drum sound. Being a drummer myself, the drum sounds on this album sort of throw me for a loop and seem out of place. I love Jason Cooper's playing most of the time, and really he's great on this album. He might not have had 100% say in the mixing though. It could have been Robert that wanted to go with this sound, or the producer, Keith Uden. Who knows? We do know that they were trying to go for a more raw and live sound to try to capture the band's spontaneity and not delve into the heavy tweaking of past albums. But what came out is what I can best describe as a very raw, middle-of-the-road studio sound, which I mean by that is that you can hear where it was recorded like you listen to it and you picture jason in the drum room because that's exactly what it sounds like the snare is particular the snare in particular is really what throws me for a loop on this record again i think jason rules and um but i'm not always a fan of his snare sound to me sometimes it sounds very shallow and too high pitched for cure songs i feel this way about many live shows when I listen to them on YouTube and things too. A lot of the times the snare only makes one sound and is very flat on, as opposed to the deep and reverbed sounds that Boris had. On 413 Dream, the snare is really very high-pitched in a degree that is extremely noticeable. It sounds like it could be Stuart Copeland of The Police or on some reggae or pop-punk song, um, which would make which would make some sense when you put it in the context of songs like Only One and Siren Songs, which both have almost Caribbean tones in them, and the, like, like a steel drum almost, and the guitar sounds of Only One and the sliding lap steel of Siren Song. However, again, this drum sound is a little jarring to be on a Cure record, 
and is really quite harsh. That being said, Jason's playing on the record is great, along with Simon and Pearl. Simon's tones on this record are dialed into a T, and he really uses the distortion to his strength and shows that simplicity can be powerful, as he always does. Pearl absolutely shreds on this album. His tones are magical, twang, and really blistering at times. His playing on the real Snow White is a highlight of his abilities and shows his growth upon returning to the band. It's worth a price of admission just for that song in many ways. Another very important thing to mention is that him coming back into the album, coming back into this album really shows his importance to the band. On a side note, if you listen to the Cure self-titled album after listening to 413 Dream, then you can de definitely hear the absence of the songwriting. It's a very noticeable difference, all respects to Perry Bamante, the coolest guitar tech ever. That goes the same way for the production. There really is a lot missing from the self-titled, and 413 is a major step up from it. Which brings me to the point of the lyrics. The wordplay in The Real Snow White is top-level Robert Smith wizardry. Uh, his delivery is really interesting and just shows he can still surprise you after all these years. And if the lyrics in The Hungry Ghost don't get you, you might be in the wrong place entirely. One of the absolute strongest things about this album is the vocal production. Whoever's idea it was to put a rotary effect on those vocals is a genius. The swirling effect on Siren Song and Hungry Ghost and the delayed and stretched out vocals of Underneath the Stars are great creative production ideas and really the highlight of the album in many ways. I highly recommend giving the album another listen though. The dive into this record really pays off. In my opinion, if one could get past the other production quirks and forget all the other albums and just go into this album fresh with no preconceived notions, but still keep in mind that this is the cure and they write amazing songs, then I think people will realize just how great and special this album really is. Underneath the Stars is a really powerful song and opener. Siren Song, The Real Snow White, Hungry Ghosts are a perfect three song run. The Only One, The Reasons Why, Perfect Boy, This Here and Now With You are all very sweet, sincere, classic Smith love songs. And if the switch and it's over don't do anything for the real Cure rockers, then again, you're probably in the wrong place. I feel like a lot of people are missing out on this record by casting it aside and not giving it a full chance. Really, this is a great Cure record with some perfect songs on it. If you throw out Freak Show. Sorry, not sorry. But seriously, who ever told them this was a good song? Sincerely, Dustin. Thanks so much, Dustin. Great to hear from you again. And while I clearly talked shit about some of the songs that you praised just now, um, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, really, on a whole. Uh, if, if nothing else, I love the positive twist you just put on this album as well. You know, freak show aside, of course. But, uh, yeah, thanks so much for p closing us out on a positive high note and uh, really really putting focus on the highlights of this album and you know there's only one thing left to do out there people go put on your copy see if any of this jibber jabber changed your mind or you know maybe it just reassured you that you uh think it's a complete turd or trash as some might say so uh whatever you want from it it's it's important that it's out there and i'm glad it's out there and uh you do with it what you want so um special thanks to scott matt john lillian 
Dustin, all the good people that chimed in on Instagram, and uh, you know, you guys out there for listening. Uh, we should have a more lighthearted episode on the horizon. A real fun one coming up to cleanse your palates. It's called Misinterpreted Lyrics. All the lines that you thought you knew, maybe a few that you knew that were wrong, but you still sing them that way anyway because it's funny. Um, we're going to hash it all out and uh, try to decipher Mr. Mushmouth Smith's most mumbly lines right here on the Holy Hour Podcast. So subscribe on Apple Podcast, on YouTube. Uh, don't forget, all the episodes are over on YouTube. We've been getting a few emails. We're like, what the fuck's up with your old episodes? a long story but they're all on youtube so if you're trying to backtrack anything over a year uh best shot is going over to youtube and uh yeah not my ideal situation either but it's the best place to put them all on there so youtube uh, we're on all the other business too sketcher stitcher whatever it's called stitcher uh google play all that follow us on instagram uh and like our facebook page so you can get some extra links of what we're talking about or if you just have any comments questions or concerns or want to contribute whether it's on topic of anything we said or off topic anything cure related it's fair game send it to gavin connor at gmail.com you can send some of your hate mail there too if you want but um, also be sure to check out Chaz's Cure shirts at 17seconds.bigcartel.com. He comes up with his own clever Cure shirts. They're up for pre-order all the time. Go over there, see what's up, and uh, that's how it works. You buy them on pre-order, then you get them. And uh, when they're gone, they're gone. Sometimes he has some extra ones, but uh, you don't want to depend on that. Way too risky. These, sh- these shirts are fucking awesome, and uh, you don't want to miss any out. Your body will thank you for them. Your weird body will be like, thank you for putting this awesome cure shirt on my skin. And uh, you'll, you'll, it'll make you feel clean again. So until next time, hope everybody's well. Thanks for listening. Love you. Talk hard. <laughs> <laughs>